Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome back to Rule the Roost podcast. I'm not going to introduce us because if you don't know who we are by now, then you know you don't deserve to know. Um, uh, Apologies ha- if this is the first time you've listened. To the yeah, well, yeah, that, I didn't really think that far ahead, did I? We've done a f- we've done a few tweets that have gotten some numbers this week as well. So maybe you've done a few tweets. Maybe we. It's it's all anonymous. It's it's a uh, it's a primordial soup. The rule the roost account. It's it's not you or me. It's... Here's the thing. I'll I'll let people behind the curtain. Right. If it's like a sweary ranty tweet that does well, and it's clearly happened off the cuff. It's me. If it's something that's been thought about and there is a fairly well put together asset behind it that's tapped into a current meme, it's Jack. That's how you've got to, got to play it. Sometimes, and Jack knows this, I know he does, I will word things in a particular manner just to point people in the wrong direction and make them think it's Jack, but really it's me. So so like the, the, the blue tick kind of decent journos that follow us who you have a sort of professional standing with think... Fucking hell! Why is Raj tweeting that? <laughs> you can be like, sorry about him, mate. You know, it's like that. You know, that uncomfortable cousin that I've sort of got, and you know, just keeps him happy doing a pod with him. Um, For example, <laughs> I did a tweet in the middle of the week around the ESL about Chelsea Football Club, in which I said Chelsea are treating the Chelsea fans <laughs> yeah. treating the ESL like an innocent black man peacefully trying to get on a train, and I was going to tweet that from my own account, and I thought. Might be a bit spiky for the blue tick. I've just got on my high horse about Tottenham. I can't really be doing this right now, even though I want to. And then I thought, I kind of still want to put this out into the world. So the roller rooster couch right there. I'll tap the thing in the corner and fire it off from there. And I still get that dopamine rusher going, fuck Chelsea. And people don't fully know it's me. And if there's any backlash, it's like, Jack, man, like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I saw your joke to make, mate. Like... <laughs> Well, we've both done it at different times where, like, we'll have replied to a tweet we've done from the Roller Roost account, and then the other one have gone, 
Why are you talking to yourself? What is it? I like it though. I like that switcheroo, keeping the yeah, people yeah, on their yeah. toes. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's enjoyable. The ESL. I mean, we got a bit. Uh, it's quite funny, isn't it? We got a bit emotional on the last pod. No, I, I'm not. I'm not going to make fun of like earlier on this week, Jack and Raj. I think we we're speaking from the heart, and it was a confusing time. You know? you know what? I was actually thinking about this because I thought, oh, we're going to feel a bit silly now coming back on after we've both like verged on tears and poured our hearts out and stuff. And I think, no, because had we not done that and had that not that feeling not been sort of resonated in, in the entire footballing fan community, then it wouldn't have fucked off in 48 hours. The fact that we felt like that and we've we've recorded as, as feeling that way and so many others did... Um, and that was such a sort of um, shared feeling across the board. That's why this thing died a death in the manner it died a death is because it got such a visceral reaction from everybody. Um, and I think we should we should probably be proud that it's it's died and and that football fans having a voice across the board is, is something that's managed to to bring its you know not full death because this new Champions League isn't you know a million miles away from it, but. We've kind of stopped the bad bastards in their tracks to a certain degree in a way that we might not have done previously. So I have no embarrassment over it. We felt the way we felt at the time and and you know, that's that's the way things work sometimes. Well, here's the interesting thing that I wanted to get your opinion on because I don't think we've actually spoken about this off air either. Um do you I mean what's your kind of sense on why it's been revealed? I mean, obviously, there was the kind of the fact that literally governments were starting to pile into discussion on this one. It's probably when you know that shit's starting to get a bit serious. Um, but yeah, I mean, but there do, is that, but do, like... do, do you reckon they, but do you actually think the clubs involved actually did just really misjudge it? Do you think they really weren't? and? Uh, it's in. I'm sure they were fully prepared for a, a few people to moan at them, for UEFA to be a bit pissed off, but for most people to be sort of like, I kind of have that shy Tory thing about them where they're like, oh yeah, we really don't like this, but secretly we kind of really like the idea of Spurs being able to play Barcelona sort of two, yeah. three times a season kind of thing. Mm-hmm. No, I think they, I think they got it wrong. And I think the thing that they got wrong and, probably a reflection of how out of touch they are is they seem to position it at the time and subsequently have done of it being like a benevolent act. Mm. And they seem to have thought that we'd have bought that like, Oh, they're saving the game of football. This is going to, and the, you know, the, there's the, the retraction statements that have come out since have all been along the lines of, Oh, we were, we thought this would be for the good of the game. And, uh, that's the reason we got into it, and like they're clearly lying. And the reason they got into it is because somebody told them JP Morgan was giving them four hundred million and then two hundred million for joining or whatever else. Um, but it's yeah, I think they they really just were out of touch and they completely misjudged what the reaction was going to be. I thought they were, they think I think they thought there was going to be a thing for twenty four hours until the next set of games had come, and then people would kind of take their medicine and, and deal with it, and nothing could really stop them. Might put a few noses out of joints. I don't think they saw the whole. If your players are playing in it, they're going to um, not be able to play in an international tournament piece. I don't think they actually saw the fact that the players themselves would kind of be like, "Oh, this is a bit shit." Like everyone hates us now, and we haven't done anything. Um, 
I don't think they foresaw the just the fact that literally across the board everybody disliked it. And when the money in football comes from the fact that there are so many passionate fans and there are people like you and I who love it to this degree that we'll sit down on our spare evenings and talk about it. That's the lifeblood and the, the reason why broadcasters pay the money they do and mm. everything else follows. Why their commercial numbers are what their commercial numbers are. When that clearly is a threat because everyone's gone, this is shit and we don't want anything to do with you if this is going to carry on. That's why sponsors start pulling out because not only are they going to save money, but it's an easy PR win for them. They can go, oh, look, we've sided with fans to such an extent that we fucked off Liverpool on the back of the ESL sort of a thing. Everyone, once the dominoes start going, once people start resigning, once all that shit starts humming along, it kind of, that weight of public pressure and that sort of shared consciousness in an almost Pochettino sense kind of stands against you. The thing, because, yeah, it it is that right, isn't it? It is It is the sense that, like... You, you can you can you can wage a couple of wars, but when it's pretty much everything against you, you're on a hiding to nothing, and it it, it has seemed that way. But it's what what bothers me about it slightly now is that we sort of we've stepped into a world now where UEFA are almost being painted as the good guys in this whole thing, and Sky Sports are almost being painted as the good guys and the Premier League are almost being painted as the good guys. It's uh, it, 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 like we sort of said on the last podcast, though, it's all it's it's bald men fighting over a comb in a way because these lot are all morally reprehensible. We made the point and I've seen a few other people make it since last week that, you know, it, 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 UEFA's consistently inadequate response to racism is really shown up for quite how reprehensible and abhorrent, if it wasn't anyway, if it wasn't abundantly clear to anybody already that it was inadequate, you know, giving fucking clubs a 20 grand fine and a player a two game ban or whatever it is they do. It just, it shows you like how quickly they mobilized when essentially their profits were in jeopardy versus something like that um and to a, to a degree if we're going to be honest as well the wider footballing community everyone involved in it and it i think we can always say this we can always use these kind of big events as a period of reflection but i really do hope that something does come from this some kind of change does come from this we've seen the government talking about the the german model of ownership of you know having at least one uh you know trust kind of official basically a fan elected body on any board to be there to have a say on essentially you know vote voting against people who are owners of a club they're stewards of a club but they don't they don't own the brand the memory the i mean they own the brand should we say but they don't they don't earn own the institution what it means to people um mm-hmm. And I think when we are in this kind of like brave new world of where we think, oh, that won't happen and stuff is starting to happen, things to accommodate sponsors, to accommodate money men, you know, Wimbledon moving to Milton Keynes or Cardiff changing the colour of their home shirt. This sort of stuff, like, it, it can't just be allowed to happen. You cannot... 
we're talking about like potential points deductions now for the six clubs, which I personally I don't think will happen. Probably, I mean, the Premier League would probably like to do something like that as a uh, as a token gesture, but I think they realise that the legal ramifications and the wrangling behind that would be ultimately pointless because what they're doing is punishing the most valuable asset that they have, which is the six biggest teams in their fucking league. So why would you want to piss them off equally? And that's kind of why the clubs I feel were as emboldened to do what they did anyway, because they realised their own worth and they realised their own value. And as we said off air as well, touching on this point, this whole why are Tottenham in this conversation? Look, you, you cannot on one hand say the ESL is it's greed, it's stupid, it's it's all about money, and then say, Why are Tottenham in it and Nottingham Forest aren't? Just fucking grow up. It's it's not it's not about that. And I I'm not being I'm not defending Tottenham, I'm not defending the ESL, but it's like don't don't validate the ESL by saying you have to be of a certain calibre of success or history or size in that respect to be able to play in this. Spurs were in it because they make a lot of money and the whole league was about money and that was it. Even if we were going to end up being the Sheffield United of said league. Um But it, it's it's just it it is still it's left that kind of sour taste in the mouth because now we're sort of one of the pariahs of football. I know. I. I mean, like, I know your opinion is generally that it will probably blow over, and you. You are probably right. Um, I don't think any of this shit's going to happen. To be honest, I think the the big scary proposals disappeared, and then the next thing will come along that is a slightly diluted version of it, and people will. Well, it already is the the yeah. Champions League format. It's, well, it's fucking awful. We we kind of we've got this head of steam up and we're all like, oh, we can change the game for the good. We can, you know, we've got all this momentum where we can do this, we can do that. Uh, they'll listen now. They've got no standing, all this sort of shit. But they still do. They're still going to be the ones bringing the money in. They're still the reason the broadcasters are going to mm. spend that money and and everything. Like it isn't all going to change. Like it would almost have been better in some ways had they done this Super League thing. Because that would have been an easier way to break the wheel and fuck everything off and, and change things. But the fact they've all buckled within 48 hours and gone, oh, no, we'll play play nice now, just means that they'll still have the same sway over it when we come to have the next UA for a proposal or everything. It's just it, it's going to be a the version of the game that it was before. Like I, I, I kind of... I'm still somewhat pessimistic about all of that just because that's kind of what the history of it is. Like... I don't understand where the the hope comes from that we would be able to get more out of it because it doesn't make sense that we would. Did the club statement piss you off? Because it pissed me off. I I and I'll 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 qualify it first um, as I pass you that grenade. I just thought there was a, there was a, an, a a clear lack of apology in there. It was, right, a, but that's because it's gone through six different lawyers before it's hit the website. It, it was a complete "we're sorry if you're offended" type apology, yeah. and I thought it was just such a thinly veiled level of contempt in in that open letter that has it. It just it it actually really annoyed me, and I don't mean it in a kind of mouth breathery again 
kind of ah Levy, fuck off. It's it is more just that kind of like, mate, like just fucking for for once, for fucking once, just admit that you're in the wrong. You know, just just do it, just for once. But the man seems incapable of doing so, and it's kind of getting to a point now where we've sort of touched on this in the past, and I am starting to wonder like is his sort of no because the thing is right but what what i understand is like if 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 levy goes if enic go the sort of people that have a spare billion pounds there or thereabouts flying around to spend on a sports club are going to be unpleasant people and aren't going to give a shit about the legacy fans as we're now known right but to me there's almost an idea of like but we know that i've I've sort of i'm kind of getting to that point of like feeling that like i'm tired of almost being for want of a better term sort of emotionally gaslit by levy and enoch i'm kind of like because I'm, I'm always toying between this thing of like he yeah, he's he's a businessman, and yeah, he's cold, and he's maybe a bit more pragmatic than a sort of flouncy, creative man in the stands like myself who wears my heart on my sleeve and you know will have knee-jerk opinions about stuff. That's not what he's there for. He's a businessman. He's he runs a, a massive corporation. He's a highly intelligent man, but deep down, still he he does give a fuck and he does care about Tottenham, but I really am starting to question now, like, does he though? Do, like, does, does he actually, because I don't, I personally, I don't think the state, the statement's that deep because I, I maybe I might be, I might be wrong. No, I, just, I know I, what you mean. I kind of saw it in a similar way that I see his end of season letters and stuff as something that he's probably not written himself been drafted for him it's he's had an approval um and it says what it needs to say to satisfy the people it needs to satisfy i don't think um that statement the audience of that statement was only tottenham fans or football fans i think it was the peers that he's in this agreement with and the bodies above him that they've obviously signed documentation with he can't come out and Trash the entire thing, say, I'm sorry, it's despicable, what a fucking joke, our man's up, I've been a dick here, because he puts the nose out of joint of um, of all the people he's trying to be buddies with and, and, and effectively sit at the top table of European football with. Um, and given we don't know what they've signed or who they've signed it with or anything, but if they're now having to pay to get out of some dealings or... You know there'll be some sort of contractual thing in the background if the, if that's going on because it sounds from from what the noise is coming out of Arsenal that sounds like they're having to pay something to get out of whatever deal they'd made previously. Um, that he kind of has to word it in such a way that puts him in the best possible footing for when he's negotiating all that. Uh, like he can't he can't be negligent in that that setting evil, which is why I think the. The statement is is essentially 
saying all that they can say. Not that they would say more, to be quite frank. I don't think he would have come out with a gushing piece that would have made our hearts feel whole again. Um, and had he done that, um, why the fuck did he sign up in the first place? Um, I just think it was a a light PR exercise that acknowledged the fact that we weren't doing it anymore and did so in a way that tried to keep him cush and the club cush with as, as many people as possible. And the fans have got what we wanted out of not being in it to a certain degree, so we can't really you know, expect too much more than that. Perhaps when it's all done and dusted and it's all settled and he does have his piece at the end of the season that it'll be a bit different by then because he'll have got more of his ducks in a row. But at this point, it seemed as if there'd been a few more conversations behind closed doors. Everybody put out fairly similar statements. A few had gone to the length of using the word sorry or what have you and and things. I think the Liverpool owners have done a video which... Mm. You know, if you want to do a video, do a video. It doesn't really matter. Uh, but the reason they're all doing that is just to the different degrees in which they're they're worried about their standings and their their pennies that are currently there. That's that's the the end game for them still. And uh, I think the the other thing that we've we've got to kind of bear in mind and remember is that some of these owners will be doing all these things because they know their time at these clubs is is still hopefully for the long haul, whereas I think we are in the the end game with, with Enoch. Um, like, getting him in the European Super League would have been another few hundred million on top of the asking price for the club, uh, for whoever came along and bought him. And if it was a, an American owner or buyer Amazon that's been floated before, if we were in that franchise system that they would have understood much... Uh, much more closely and they uh, had that guaranteed 400 million coming in every year. Apologies uh, for, for slightly yawning. Um, then they would have paid more up front because they knew that more was coming in year on year. So it's, I think it was a business decision as everything is with this club and, and everything with, with these set of owners. I don't think it was um, it was ever personal, just like the statement on the back end wasn't. It's just, uh, uh, if anything, this, this reaffirms that these owners are here to get Tottenham into the best possible position on and off the field they possibly can by ever what means possible because they want to sell us for as much profit as they can and we're gonna when they do come to sell us it's gonna be a couple of billion pounds of investment that's coming in and that's why it's gonna be so hard to do but somebody wants us that's what they're gonna have to pay should we uh should we move on to Mace Mason and Southampton to Mace Mace yeah, just mace ourselves in the eye. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it was it's it's a nice it's an actual football fairy tale, right? Yeah, I, I kind of want to touch on this first though. Is that I think the club have literally played as like PR does like a oh big time as, big with time. his um with his puppet mastery because uh, the the ESL thing comes out one night. Next thing that comes out is Mourinho sacked. So that's a... You've been asking for this. Here, have your happiness. And then the next thing that comes out after that is uh, we're doing vaccinations at the stadium. Look at us. We're helping the NHS, aren't we? Benevolent. Um, and then, oh, look who's coming in. It's the academy graduate who had to retire early because of the almost life-ending injury he had on the pitch. and then Who, who the, just so happens to be one of Pochettino's like absolute generals as well. And also Harry Kane's, one of Harry Kane's best mates, so that's going to keep him engaged and happy for the rest of the year. Mm. 
Like, I understand there is a, a good news story and a feel-good story underneath all this, but cynical as I am, there is um, <laughs> the club are doing it for a reason, and that's to get people back on time. It's clearly... It's working to a certain well, it, degree. It There's... does, because I share, I act like I'm in full acknowledgement of all those facts, but I'm still rooting for him, you know? Well, of course we are, but what we, we're not going to do any different. We're not any of those weirdos who actively support against the team just because we, we want some to prove ourselves right. Our own theories, like like weirdos who wanted us to lose so the Mourinho would go and stuff. It's just it's not how it works, not how normal people's brains operate. Like we want Ryan Mason's been put in that position now. We support him because that's what we want. We still want our football team to do well because there's a football team left to support. We want him to do well because we care about him, his story, and his affiliation with the team and the fact that Ledley's in there. Chris Powell, by the way, I might have said this on the podcast before, I'm not sure. One of the loveliest men you could ever care to meet. I met him a few times while he was in charge of Huddersfield and he couldn't have had more time for you. He's a proper Tottenham fan. Um, I remember at the time, just in one of the interviews we had, I'd, I kind of I, I mentioned in passing to him that I, I supported Spurs and what have you, and he, he, I saw his sort of um, interest peak, and then he kind of kept me on after... So you know how these work, Jack, when you're a club, people say you've got however much time you've got with whatsoever, and then they try and take you away. And the time had finished that I'd had with Chris and the media person doing their job kind of goes, oh, you've had your time. And Chris goes, oh, no, it's all right. Don't worry about it. And they're like, all right then. And that's purely because he wanted to stand with me in the tunnel at Huddersfield and talk about Tottenham for 10 minutes. Really? He's just he's just managed, uh, just managed a championship game of football. He's in charge of Huddersfield. They're not doing entirely well at the time he's in charge. I actually think off the top of my head, he was probably three or four weeks away from being sacked. Still took 15 minutes to talk about me, talk to me about Spurs, ask me why I supported them, talk about my dad travelling down, says, you know, oh, whenever I can still get down to the lane, I go, want the best for the team, really interested in them. And that's why when he was hired into the club, I thought, that's perfect. He's not managing the first team because uh, he's clearly not good enough to be doing that. But his his interest and his enthusiasm and his ability to work with younger players you can't fault and the fact that he's obviously born bought into it and probably born into it means that he's going to do a better job because he cares about it so it's going to mean an awful lot to him as well this is probably the highlight of his career even though he's managed several clubs in his own right being on the bench at Spurs is probably something he never imagined was going to happen um, and then Ledley's there as well so it's sort of a lovely blend of, of people and it's all people you really want to do well and, and you couldn't wish for nicer people of so you've got no option but to kind of buy in again and, and hope we do well and you watch that that Southampton game with a completely different uh, head on it's funny that that's that's interesting that that's actually true because I, I always remember when he was part of that pretty to be honest pretty decent Charlton athletic team when they were up in the Premier League and he used to get linked to Tottenham quite a lot because he was a I think he was a tidy player in his in his in yeah, his day. I think he actually said to me he tried to join the club a couple of times. I think he actively tried to. Yeah, do he it, was always always linked to us, and it was one of those that, like people always said, of Gareth Barry as well. They'd always say that he's actually a Spurs fan, and I'd never really knew if it was true or not. You know, because you were always a bit like, 
are footballers really actually a fan of clubs anymore? And yeah, of course they are. I think so, I think I think they are. And and I know it definitely is for Chris because it was it was at a time where he had nothing to do with the team and all he wanted to do was talk about Tottenham. And I think he was even to the point where I think it was. Uh, first couple of years of Poch and he was like he's really good I really like what they're doing I, uh, I'd i love to go down and watch him train that sort of stuff like he he was he was actively following the club at the same time as managing and, uh, another team and I think I put out some tweets when he when they announced that he was joining the club in the capacity that he joined in in the um, in the, the youth setup and stuff and I was really happy for him then because I know it all I mean meant a lot to him and yeah he's a, a genuinely decent bloke and um I'm I'm really pleased for him the same way I'm for Ryan Mason the same way I'm for Ladder King. It's fucking quality, isn't it? Um, I mean, but that doesn't undercut from the fact that the club have done it for a bit of feel good. Oh yeah, of course. Do you? Uh, I mean, not even. Do you think it's not really even a question? It's it really does kind of hit home and make you realise like Mourinho kind of pit, pitching himself as the pragmatic one. It's just absolute bullshit when he's obviously let yeah. some kind of ego battle between himself and Bale stand in the way of having well, still... Well, come on now that he, he never wanted him to join in the summer. But, I mean, when you've got literally still probably one of your best attackers on your bench and you're struggling to score in any game of football, you know, you've got, you got to... You just got to stick him on. Like, look at what Bale did. What again? Bale is one of those players that makes greatness look normal. That finish against Southampton was absolutely ludicrous. Yeah, it was absurd. And he ju- he ju- he genuinely made it look easy, which it it wasn't. And there wasn't anybody else on that pitch that that could have finished in the way he did in in that amount of time as well. It was it was such a quick movement, and he knew exactly what he was going to do as soon as. Before the ball had even got to his foot, he just he did what he was going to do, and nobody else could stop him. And he turned around and had taken the piss. Well, it's just it's and it's galling knowing that you know we've wasted a lot of points because for what for for a bad half against Arsenal that he's been jettisoned from the team for the past what month now. It, yep. It's just, it's a waste well, of time. It's a record it? that the club have been putting out. What is it? 11 goal involvements in his last 11 starts. Like, the man's still fucking good. Like, I don't understand why you wouldn't play him. But this isn't, like when I spoke to Carl on that podcast, this isn't, none of this thing is, these things that have happened are new, particularly. Like, he had it at Man United when he fucked off Pogba. He had it at Chelsea when he fucked off Mata. Like, there are just some times he has to make a point or prove a point with a player. He he had it with Tangy and Daniel Levy kept him at the club and sort of sat it down and repaired that for him. He had it with Delhi and the same thing happened again. Like Daniel Levy being too stubborn to fully give in to Mourinho, um, kept him at the club when you know the boy could be playing in a Champions League semi final again uh, if he got the move he wanted to. Like if he was sat there watching that PSG Bayern game, Paul like Paul Lad like. He sat there thinking, I ain't played a minute for how many ever weeks. Um, and then he has this thing with Bale. Like, it's just, I don't understand what it is. I don't understand what the alpha thing is. And then this, the report that he apparently hung around for four hours after he'd been sacked to tell home truths in, in air quotes, whatever the fuck that means. Just, it strikes of like, you know, 
when you see a, a breakup in the middle of a street in town and like one of them's going, I never loved you. And she's like shouting back, you have a small dick. Uh, you never mm-hmm. made me come. I never, I was all fake. Like, it sounds like he was doing that. Like, just go with a bit of fucking pride, man. Um, it's it's yeah. it's all very sad, isn't it? It's all very kind of like we, like we were sort of touching on last week, and I think you know maybe if it if it came across that I was being overly sympathetic towards him, it it was more just honestly from a place of kind of pity of seeing somebody who was such a revered and still probably will be once the dust settled a bit and people can reflect back on him. But sort of a guy that just doesn't really know or hasn't really known when to step away from this front line of management. Go and get your MLS paycheck or go and get your Portugal international job or go and get your job in China. Like, just just do it now, mate. Step away from it. Like you say, go out with a bit of pride. Go out with a bit of dignity because he just looks like a sort of just a sad, out-of-touch old man now and i it in it it's just it's quite this is something quite depressing about that you know the fact that i don't i don't even feel particular animosity or hatred towards him like you oh, say it's slightly. just it's just like just kind of just go now mate you know it's the sad not, bit for it's me is, for you the sad bit for me is and it's something i said on the last one as well it's it's not that he's failed or been shit or like I'm, I was particularly like emotionally involved with his project or what have you. It's more that when he kind of let himself go and was starting to change and evolve, we were doing really well. And the second he fell back into his own ways and kind of just genuinely appeared to lose confidence and bottle in himself, and, and just went back to what he found most comfortable, it turned to shit. And the fact that he he has this inability to rid himself of this same pattern is the most disappointing thing because he he couldn't... There is, a, there is a way in which Mourinho isn't finished at the top level, but the only person stopping him from being so is himself. And that's the thing that's annoying because he could have been really good for us, but the only reason he wasn't is because he's stubborn as fuck and he shot himself. And I would much rather, and this might be a personal thing, I'm not sure, but I would much rather somebody fail or fail myself because it's just something I cannot do and is beyond my ability rather than something so silly as pride or fear or stubbornness block my route to success which is what is the case here it's not a lack of talent or a lack of ability or a lack of knowledge it's just all that intangible shit that Mm. the man can't seem to shake and that's what's gonna that's what's gonna end his career prematurely and there's gonna come a point where he perhaps he looks back on it with a bit more uh, I don't know, hindsight or, or space and realise that, oh shit, there's there's some things that I'd got wrong and could have done different because now there's no point at which I think whichever club he ends up next or whichever team or international or club 
he goes to next that he's not just going to do the same old shit again because this was his last chance at this level to be the man and prove people wrong and he proved everyone right and the people that he didn't want to prove right, the people that me and you, Jack, didn't want him to prove right because we wanted him to do the best for Tottenham. So you kind of got to just go, come on, mate. Like In the same way you said grow up before, like you're old as fuck, but you've still got to do some growing up yourself. You're just you you're cutting off your nose to spite your face and it's really annoying. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Yeah. Um, are you... Uh... I mean, how much do you buy into the stuff? Because, you know, there is always that argument now of, like, if we just sacked somebody, if we'd sacked, I don't know, whoever, Pochettino now, ahead of a cup final, the one manager you'd probably want to bring in is Jose Mourinho to secure you that cup final, and now we've just gotten rid of him. But do you think we're going to have much of a bounce in that final? Do you think we're capable of doing it? Because... To me, in that Southampton game, I think we we grew into it in the second half, and I think obviously the players are still they're probably carrying a few scars or whatever. A bit of a you know they've had a demotivating few months, but I was still quite worried about just the sort of fundamental lack of ability on show from a lot of what I mean it. I think a lot of people are very kind to members of our squad when they say, oh, you know, but they've had to play for Mourinho for 17 months. I mean, these guys are professional footballers. You don't forget how to do a job that you are literally in an elite bracket of doing. Like, make no mistake, you're not playing in the Premier League because you're a kind of jobbing journeyman. As much as you may have some players who fit into that bracket within this kind of with a sense of relativity to where they are but still any single player that is good enough to play premier league footballer is 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 an elite level footballer they are they just they there's just no question about it and sometimes like even in the southampton game there's just a lot of like very basic things that a lot of our players don't seem to be able to do, namely passing. I just think the passing, the level of ability to just pass a football around in our squad is is so bad. It's so, so bad. Um, 
So I, I don't know if we're going to get a bounce against Manchester City per se, but what I am hopeful for is that now we're just going to be a bit more aggressive, that we're not just going to sit back, that hopefully we are going to unleash Bale. Whether Kane will be playing or not, I don't know. But we that might just be our only hope to get a City. They look a bit leggy. They've got their mind elsewhere on the Champions League. Maybe maybe we'll do it, but I don't think we have any any right to do it. And I don't think we can match them if we go sort of blow for blow. But, uh, I mean, what's your sort of take on it? Uh, entirely depends if how fit Harry Kane is and if he plays and if he's able to pull himself up. The one thing that kind of gave me some heart was, have you seen that clip of Son's post-game interview with the club? Uh, what, after the Southampton one? Yeah. No, I haven't, actually. So the usual bloke goes, oh, yeah, kind of after he's talked to him about the game and winning penalty and everything, he goes, oh, there must be some uh, pride about the fact that you, you know, we know you've played at Wembley before, but it's a cup final of Spurs. You must be proud that that's going to be coming around on Sunday. And some went, no, I'm, I'm not proud that we're playing in the cup final. I'll be proud if we win the cup final. I'll be proud if, you know, we give the fans what they deserve and actually win it. But it was kind of ex- exasperated at the very thought of, oh, we've, we're having a nice day out here. We're, we, we've done well to get to the final. It's kind of like, no, we've we kind of got to stop so, patting ourselves on the back. Yeah, for like we're fucking Mansfield Town or whatever. Exactly. Like. We've got to stop patting ourselves on the back for getting there. The, the achievement isn't getting there. It's fucking winning it. And the fact that somebody like that with that mentality is in the team... It's good, and I hope there's more of that. And I hope I know we, we can see from Hugo that he's not going to be saying out different. Harry Kane's not going to be saying out different. Um, Son certainly not, and that should spread. And if that's going to be coming from Ledley and Mason and, and Powell and everyone else, and they kind of have that collectiveness now to kind of go, lads, everyone thinks we're shit. Everyone thinks we're. They'll have read all this of oh, what the Tottenham think they're doing there. And that's not just the stature of the club, that's on the players as well. They've got to have a bit of pride about this. They'll want to mix it with Man City. They'll want the good news of winning it because they don't want another stick to be beaten with. They're not going to enjoy losing. They've got a reason to be motivated again. The bloke they clearly all didn't like is gone. They can show him up by actually playing the type of football they want to. Gareth Bale said in a in when he joined that he's come back to win trophies because that's all he knows. That's going to be a, a factor as well. He's not played much. He, he can start again on Sunday. He's been there. He's done it before at a higher level. Like We're in as good a position as we could be in outside of Mourinho being there to actually give this a good fucking crack. And I think that's all we can do is we kind of... We play it as the one occasion it is. We know Man City can get in their own heads. We know they're not infallible or perfect or, or what have you. We did them in the Champions League semi-final over two legs, for fuck's sakes. We, we can do this. So we've just got to kind of back ourselves and have the right mentality about it and, mm. and go at it. And, and you know, we're not going to... I don't think Ryan Mason, with all the will in the world, is going to come up with this amazing tactical plan to do City on the day. It's not going to be like a, a perfect game plan that does it. I imagine there'll be some sort of approach they come up with. It's just going to be... No, do you know who will help him on that, though, mate? It's the ultimate fucking pep shit houser who's a fucking phone call away, living in Paris right now. Yeah, I imagine they've spoken already. I mean, 
I would really think so. I, I was I was sort of speculating earlier on in the week. I can imagine like as soon as, as soon as Mace got the job, you know that's his first call. He, he gave he gave him the call, and Pochettino handed the PSG duties to Jesus that that day, and was just like, "You deal with this." I got to help Ryan win the cup. Do you know what I mean? Like, and that, like we sort of touched on it last week. I do. I do just feel like this is. What have you seen, Ryan Mason's uh, header image on uh, on Twitter? No, I haven't. Let me have a look now. Go and have a look at it now. Because I do like you know. It's just. Oh yeah, there's uh, there's that bit, isn't there? of you where you're like, it is fitting that. It's Mourinho maybe that's got us up to the line, but just that little flicker of Pochettino that lives on in Mason is there. You know, there's that. Oh, mate, honestly, it, it makes it instantly is giving me a bit of a lump in the throat, though. That that article that was written, I I can't remember who it was. Maybe it was David Heitner actually in the in the Guardian, was it? Who wrote the piece on Mason and his kind of his tale to this point. And he was saying that, like, one of his first things he said to Pochettino, who had come to visit him in hospital after his head injury, was, uh, I hope you saw, boss. I was in the right position, you know? And it's uh, it's just, it's, it's it, it, you can tell, because, and Mason's very upfront about it, that, you know, Pochettino was somebody that helped him as a as a player and as a person. Um, yeah. And it's just... I don't know. There's just all, all the shit we spoke about last week with the ESL and all this type of thing. I think there is this level that people want to be guarded and they don't want to, they almost don't want to like admit that they love Spurs at the moment. They're like, oh, Spurs done a bad thing and we're one of the baddies at the moment. And I'm pissed off with Enoch and I'm pissed off with the machinations of modern day football. But it's also like, the reason why you're pissed off is because it's of you love them. well, yeah, and because they what they are trying to do at the moment is undermine stories like this that we're seeing. So while we're actually actively living one, just grab onto it while you can. Don't don't cut off your nose to spite your face. Like I I know I've said a lot, and I've I, I, it's some of it's knee jerk and some of it is coming from a from a real place, but it it is conflicting, and I don't think. I don't think you need to have this solidified position of Tottenham have acted this way and until there's a change in ownership, I'm not going to care anymore. Or maybe just don't maybe just don't buy anything from the club shop for a bit. Or, you know, next time you do go to a to a game, I'm not saying don't, you know, boycott games and stuff like that. Don't because do whatever, you know, it, it we've spoken about this before. It's it's a parish for people, it's a sense of community and it's bigger than just giving money to Enoch. But maybe when you are there, just buy beers at a local pub beforehand. Don't buy them at the ground. You know, there's there's different ways to, to make a point and you can sort of boil it all down to, well, what difference does one person make? But it's every person can make a difference still. That's the That's the kind of thing. And it's, I guess my point is just like, this thing that's happening with Mason and... I guess, you know, like you say, with Chris Powell, with Ledley King, with Gareth Bale, with Harry Kane that's never won a, a trophy with us yet, with Herman Son that's never won a trophy with us, with Hugo Lloris that's never won a trophy with us. Like, 
we're we're on the verge of doing so. And yeah, it's only the League Cup, but it's still something. And there's still more to it than just, you know, I think the League Cup's a load of shite, but at the same time, so what? It, we might win something. So just kind of, I don't know, just lose yourself in it a bit, I think, maybe. Or don't. I don't know. It's up to you. That's just kind of how I feel about it, though. But I think it would be, uh, it w- it would be nice, wouldn't it, to win a League Cup? I think. Yeah, yeah, it would. I was just kind of digesting what you said, but yeah, it, it's at the end of the day, no matter how disappointed or how mad or, or what position we're in with the upper echelons of the football club, that's not what we're here to support. That's not. Like you said before, with with what they're stewards of and what they're not, the the football club's bigger than them. And, and you know, in 20, 30 years' time, when we're thinking about the first thing that we won with all those players that you named or with Mason in charge and Ledley there and everything, we're not really, hopefully, going to remember that it was around the ESL time or everything. We're just going to go, oh, that was a, a lovely Sunday where we beat City and, and won a cup. And in the same way we look back at that, other, uh, other cup win with with Ledley and and Robbie Keane and everyone and Berbatov's penalty and Woodgate's header, we kind of we leave it at that. We don't go into the fact that oh it was two points from eight games followed and all that sort of shit. We just we, Juan de Ramos doesn't really even factor into it to be honest when we talk about it. It's just we beat Chelsea at Wembley. We won a cup. That's the story. That's the memory. Um, and I don't want us to potentially ruin what could be a, another lovely memory for us uh, and the start of summer if we, you know, just become too distracted by the by the bullshit. And obviously there's a certain degree we've got to pay attention to it and, and got to fight the good fight and everything, but we're here to be football fans and there's a football game going on that we, we, we don't see very often. We don't see this team in enough cup finals. Uh, we've seen them in this cup final a few times. We've only seen them win a couple of them. So they've been asked to do that again, uh, especially after so long. So imagine by the time it's four o'clock on Sunday or, or even before and after three when the teams come out or what have you, we'll be, we'll be fully locked in and, and wanting, wanting Spurs to come out at the end of it, the winners. If we're looking ahead just briefly, I mean, the mad thing is now, <laughs> and it just shows you really... How fucking wank the Premier League's been this season. Although they have a game in hand on us, we're now only two points behind Chelsea in fourth place. I mean, the idea of us breaking, sneaking into that top four, looking at our fixtures, it isn't insurmountable, is it? By any stretch of the imagination. No, it's possible. It's 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 a hard ask. She- it, Sheffield United at home, Leeds away, Wolves at home, Villa at home, Leicester away. I mean, de- dare I say it? I'm not saying we will, but dare I say it? It's, We're going to piss it. <laughs> it's five. It's five winnable games. Leicester, maybe not so much anymore, but still, it's still five winnable games. It's still five games that a team that has Hummanson, Harry Kane, and Gareth Bale in its attack should be beating. Um, yeah, and then those players with something to play for and a point to prove as well. I'm just saying, mate, it could be on. I mean, if uh, 
if Mace gets us there, let's just give it him. Let's just give it him and Pal. <laughs> Forget Nagelsman. We don't need him. We don't need him. We've got, we got our own pie and mash Nagelsman. <laughs> Ryan Mason. It is, it is crazy that he's 29 years old and in charge of a Premier League team. Like, I don't think we should... I don't think we've we've dwelled on that enough on the podcast. No, and I, I don't... Being honest, I don't think he'd want it yet. Oh, no, I'm not saying... I'm I'm not bringing it up. Oh, no, I know you're not. I know you're game. not. And I, I was just... Because I was just making that point, that sort but of joke there. But just the him. fact that he's 29 years old and it's mad. out and stuff is, is fucking crazy. It's absolutely mad. The uh, apparent... I'm 29 in September and... Given the fact that I've no qualifications to do it, it would be crazy. You're good at football like, manager, though, aren't you? I've never played it really. Are you not? Uh, not for a long time. Um, I reckon I'd be good at like motivating and stuff. But to be honest, Jack, I think I'd be a bit of a, be a bit of a dickhead. To be honest, would you be a proper football man? I think I, I, I am secretly worried that <laughs> I might fall into that camp as a football manager. Yeah, but I think that's quite decent, though, really. That's. But I don't. Yeah. I don't know if I'd be able to like remove myself from the the fanship element of it. Like I, I I'm definitely not a laptop manager, but I'm not a. Uh, but I wouldn't be like. I don't know. No, I, I think I, I you'd find that good. I think you because Pochettino to me the reason why he was so brilliant is because he was the perfect blend of proper football man and laptop nonce. You know, he he was just he was bang in the middle. He was the. Uh, he was your centrist star in that equation, yeah, you know. But then you've you've got similar people like Klopp, who uh, cringy uncle. It kind <laughs> of I reckon I reckon I would be tracksuit triad or um, you know Scott Parker just wearing too nice of a set of clothes on the the touchline and being too honest in interviews and stuff like that. I just I don't think I have the uh, the temperament for for that kind of position. I absolutely don't. I'd I'd get so angry. I'd cry when I'd be like. No, I, g- genuinely, Jack. I swear <laughs> not. I was about to say you would cry. <laughs> I, would. I, I genuinely thought there would be like ten minutes into your first game, we concede from a corner. There's something strange happening on the touchline here. Right? <laughs> the, <laughs> the the surprise candidate for the Tottenham job, Jack Hussey's in, in in tears at the touchline. I just, I because the thing is, Charlotte's I, coming down from the stand to <laughs> to, to give him a hug. I'd I'd have that like Gattuso type reaction to so much stuff where I'd just get yeah. so angry and heated and like it would just come up in in just tears and I'd have to sit down and compose myself and like yeah. It or like um, what do you call them the other week? Um, Harson Hotel where he cried after they beat Liverpool <laughs> and then they didn't win again for ages. Oh dear. If you if you are uh, if you are interested um, this evening, Alistair Gold of Football London is saying managers Tottenham are interested in, and bearing in mind this is a journalist that many people speculate is basically actively briefed by the club. Um, He's on the tick. Yeah, that managers Tottenham are interested in Nagelsmann, Eric Ten Hag, Brendan Rodgers. Fuck off. Great, yeah, isn't it? Graham Potter and uh, Allegri as well. And managers Tottenham are not currently targeting. Marcelino, Sarri, Howe, Southgate, which is 
music yeah, to my ears. Music, on, yeah, on I was about those. to say, yeah, that's fine. Um, the only one that of that don't want any part of Brendan Rodgers, and we've gone into why no. he's doing a really good job, good job at Leicester, but the man is insufferable. Yeah, right. but like as you said as well, which I, a sentiment I share. He probably would be the best man for Tottenham, playing the Tottenham oh. way and getting the best out of what we have. And absolutely no doubt in my mind that he would do a brilliantly brilliant footballing job, and we'd probably enjoy the football he played as Tottenham manager more than we have since the the peak of Pochettino. He'd bottle every but, significant game as well, though. That's the other. Yeah, thing. he would, and he would also be. He'd also start telling us in post game interviews how he's made Harry Kane a better father and uh, how. He's uh, helping Delhi Lee grow up, and you know Gareth Bale's learning new things underneath him. Like he'd be the type of manager mm. that, like, uh, if Christian Eriksen was still at the club, he'd just give him side eye and would openly take the piss out of in uh, in interviews and things. He's a yeah, he's a he's a weird man. He's got weird energy. Graham Potter, I really like. I, I do you know what the thing is though? I think out of all, I think I can just see as 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 I'm pretty sure. We called here on Rule the Roost podcast uh, several months ago. I can just see us ending up with Allegri, like to be. If to you be don't honest go back to you, Uve, yeah. You know, I think that just seems to be the because Potter I really like, but I just think the job's too big for him right now. Um, the optics aren't right. I think. I think he would be. I think he would do really well. I think yeah. he'd need a little bit of time. Brighton play lovely football as well. They do. And I think his problem there isn't the fact that he's a bad manager. He's just got shitter players that yeah. he needs. Like, he's done really well everywhere he goes. Um, when I spoke to, to David Priest, it wasn't part of the record conver- conversation, but we were talking about managers afterwards and, and Potter came up and, you know, with the Rostersons connection and everything, he, he was highly complimentary of him and said that, you know, he, he's somebody that belongs at a higher level and I completely agree. But I just don't think it's that's not the appointment to capture the the hearts and minds of Tottenham fans far and wide. And the same thing for the for the players. It's not gonna like Son's dad's not gonna go, amazing, Graham Potts <laughs> coming in, we'll sign the contract. He's gonna go, Who the fuck's this from Brighton? Like it's with the clubs just with with we're a European Super League team, Jack. We're not hiring Graham if, Potter if, right now. If we signed Graham Potter Hummin Son gets home and his dad's already packed his bags and is on the phone to Bayern. Do you know what I mean? Like yep. that's 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 what happens. But I think Nagelsmann is. I think he's. I mean, Occam's razor. He's just going to end up at Bayern. I think. I think yep. it's it's just going to happen. Like I get I get the kind of idea that maybe the Bayern moves too soon for him. Blah blah blah. But he's. Who else are Bayern going to sign? Maybe Allegri. Maybe Allegri. To be fair, but. Bayern are interested in Ten Hag as well, uh, which is one that is, I, w- I wouldn't personally be against that. But again, it's it's one of those where I think that is the type of profile that is the very lowest we could get away with mm. hiring right now because he's at a very big team. He's done really well with Ajax at the highest level. Um, that's absolutely fine. Uh, how that translates to the Premier League, no idea. Because uh, what was his name, De Boer, when he went to Crystal Palace, done amazing in fucking the Dutch league, but was dog shit when he came here. Um, it, and uh, that's just about sellable to everyone. The the style of football, where he's coming from, everything like that. Tottenham DNA, all that sort of shit. Worked at Bayern before. All all adds up. All good sell. Just because it's a bit of a sexy name, the Brighton as well. 
Um, but yeah, I think the the most likely is Nagelsmann or Allegri. Uh, I can't. Uh, but with those, there are, there's every opportunity that they go to other bigger clubs as well. So it's Ten Hag is that guy, isn't he? Where he comes in and it's it it either goes like swimmingly, like it goes really actually quite well. Or, or it's gone by Christmas. Yeah, or it's an unmitigated disaster. There's a sort of whiff of like a Jacques Santini about it in a way. Like it's. The only question it interests me, him, but it doesn't at the same time. He's a, he's a really tough one, actually, for me to sort of. The thing that I don't, I can't gauge with him because I just don't know enough about him because the league's harder to follow and things is what he's like as a man manager. Yeah, and I think that's really important with the type of stars and profiles we have in the dressing room. Is is that going to be the side of it that lets him down because he can't come in and treat Harry Kane and Deli Lee and and the rest like they're kids coming through the Ajax Academy that'll do as he says and everything straight away he has to have a bit more about him he has to he has to have a bit more charisma and he might be a charismatic bloke but I, I couldn't tell you that for certain uh, whereas the likes of Nagelsmann who's talked openly about how he man manages and things and the likes of Allegri who has managed huge personalities before successfully that's a bit more of a, a safer bet um, and the same thing, the reason that, that we say no to Potter is because like he could be really good with those type of players, but are they gonna take him as seriously? They're gonna are they gonna think he's beneath them? Like it's just a it's a difficult kind of thing. Like unfortunately, um I, I could see him going to like a an Everton or something like that and doing amazingly well, but it's just because the the optics of it aren't right, and that's a a very modern football argument to have, but it's, it doesn't make it any less true. Do you think just just before we before we come to a close, just just a tiny little thing, just as you mentioned Everton there, because um, I did I think it was either a tweet or I saw it on the tail end of an article about Mourinho going and about the kind of confirmation bias that was at play during a lot of Mourinho's tenure from certain sections of the supporter base and certain members of the press. Um, But do you think Carlo Ancelotti is getting the required stick? If you think about what Mourinho's had over the past kind of 17 months, yet Carlo Ancelotti, who has spent a fair amount of money who has a very good squad himself who is still faltering with this Everton team he's certainly not being treated or spoken about in the same way that Mourinho was should he be doing better right now um again I think it's sort of just expectations people don't expect as much from Everton as they do from Tottenham which is why it kind of makes me laugh when they go why in the European Super League sort of a thing like mm. we're the bigger club right now and it's a coup for them and I think the other thing is Carlo's a much more likeable figure than what Mourinho's made himself to be and people probably have a bit more time for him and it's just a it's not as big of a story Carlo doing getting just about par out of Everton is not as big a story as is this the end of Mourinho it's it doesn't capture as, as as many column inches. Like 
they probably should have a bit more scrutiny, but at the same time, it kind of it reflects their place in the food chain that they're not as as heavily written about. Um, they've spent a shitload of money, Mashiri shitting money into that club, um, including getting Carlo in. But really, uh, do we expect any more from them? Does anybody really care if they do any better or any not? Like it's that might be harsh and a bit dismissive, and and there probably is elements to to what you're saying is correct. Like there probably should be. If all things were equal, people might be sort of questioning them a bit more than they are, but things aren't equal. Like, as many people aren't going to be concentrating on how good Everton are and aren't. If they get into the Europa League, he will have done just about as well as, as anyone ever has at Everton, so you can't really question that. Mm. It'll be... If, this, if they then go on to spend another shitload of money and it's the same again and again, then then that's when people start questioning. It's when the Everton fans kind of get to the Cooman point with him where they're like, oh, is he? Is this all there is to this? Then- it's, it's strange how seldom a team like Everton are in Europe, though, really, to me, you know? But they... Uh... I have this weird relationship with Everton because I understand they're a big team and they're historic and they're, we joke about how much I, sort of DNA they share with us. But because of when I was born, they've they've never really been up to much my entire life like the, we've we've always been sort of of a level with them and they've always been there or thereabouts but I've never been like jealous of them or like thinking they could be good they've not even had like you know seasons really good seasons where like Southampton have had it occasionally or, or Wolves or whatever you've had these seasons where you're like oh that looks exciting that looks fun Everton are just kind of Everton, they're just there. Do, do you know what's funny is like, and I guess this is kind of just demonstrative of our slight gap in age. Notice how I say slight, just to kind of talk myself up. But it's like, obviously, I wasn't, I wasn't alive to see Everton when they were actually good. But I was probably what I can probably just about recall is when they were in their stage that Arsenal are in now. Do you know what I mean? When people still were like. You know, we still expect Everton to come good again at some point, but at the moment, obviously, there's a lot of work to be done. And then, obviously, a few years later, it turned into, no, this is just what Everton are now, kind of thing. Um, it would be funny to see if that if that's actually what Arsenal's fate is, that people are they're consistently being like, oh, I mean, Arsenal are going to get it right sooner or later. I mean... What if they just don't? What if they just revert now back to being a sort of, you know, occasional top six team that floats about and doesn't really get it right? Maybe they're too big now. Maybe football's changed. Who knows? Um, but we have spoken for quite some time today. Um, a lot of it off air and un- unbroadcastable. That's it. That's it. Very much so. And probably for our reputations, best it remains that way forever. And ever and ever. Amen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but if you have enjoyed the actual broadcastable bits that we've put out today, you can subscribe to the podcast on all of your favourite podcast suppliers. Um, I mean, the home of it is Has anyone Acast, listened to us? I think. I Has anyone know. listened to us on Amazon after you mentioned it? Oh yeah, let's have a look. Let me just have a quick look. Um, yeah, because we are we are actually available on Amazon's uh, 
Amazon's podcast platform, but not a single person has ever listened to us on that client. But let's just have a quick look. Oh, right. Okay. So Apple Podcasts still number one by a long way. Where is it? We've even had listen to some ones. So what I mean, what are all these ones? Like they'll be like the Android weirdos. Overcast, podcast addict. A lot of listens from podcast addicts. Po- pocket casts. Never heard of it. Is that when people have accidentally listened to it in their pocket? Maybe Amazon. Yeah, we've we've had some listens. But uh, do, Jeff, would, hiya Jeff, thanks for listening. Would you like? Sorry to, about the divorce. Would you, would you like? Yeah, I was going to say. Would you like to know what percentage of our total listens come from Amazon? Not point not not one. Oh, not quite. Zero point eight four percent. There you go. So, so, Mister or Mrs. or Mister or Miss or I don't know another pronoun that I might be missing that I don't mean to because I'm not trying to be bad. Um, I need to brush up on this stuff. I'm sorry. I hold my hands up. Um, Zero point eight four percent. You're acknowledged. You're special. We love you. And I'm sorry if I've just offended you. Um, I didn't mean to. I'm probably going to edit that. Please, please reach out to us if you are the 0.84% and want to know who you are. That's the end of the podcast. Um, probably forever now. Um, <laughs> so, it's a nice place to leave it in. We're going to win the fucking cup. Come on, you Spurs. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.